I'm just going to start a new podcast with Naz about the holiday. <laughs> you guys, you guys are terrible. I feel like the only thing Katie wants to recast is this podcast at this point. Yes. <laughs> That's yes. You're fired. Bye. You're fired. Bye. We're all fired. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of One More Hollywood Podcast. I'm Chris Moore. I'm Katie Marpy. And I'm Dennis Sinobly. Thanks for joining us. So today is a very special episode. We have gathered questions from family, friends, social followers, and I've placed them all inside this insanely creepy, embarrassing purchase that my wife hates, Dune Part 2 Sandworm Popcorn Bucket. Yeah, it's here. I have one. I know. It's embarrassing. <laughs> uh, you'll be able to see it on social media, but I recommend you do oh. not watch the SNL sketch about this popcorn bucket before, uh, because you will certainly feel very different about this entire thing. It's going to say. Yeah. Uh, I would love to jump right into the questions, but uh, I wanted to see if my co-hosts uh, had, had any questions uh, about the bucket itself before we get into this. I'd love to personally know um, the thought process uh, that you were having prior to purchasing it. Yes. Okay. So this, this works out perfect. So my, um, number one, I should mention my wife was away and I went to the theater by myself. So, oh, <laughs> so that was it. Um, so that's bad decision. Number one, bad decision. Number uh -huh. two, I went to see Madam Webb. <laughs> so that wasn't great. And then at that point I've decided that I clearly hate money, uh, because I <laughs> yeah. spent it on Madam Webb might as well spend a little more bought the dune bucket um also wow. it doesn't come with popcorn in it you have to buy the popcorn separate and at that point i was just embarrassed enough that i bought it so i didn't get any popcorn i just kind of just kind of sat it in the seat next to me and we both watched madam webb i don't even know i can't i don't know if that's better that you didn't have pop or you just had it next to you You know in hindsight you know? I, i'm not sure either um <laughs> If it just, and then the fact that I sat it next to me also felt like now I think back, everyone thought we were like on a date. It's not good. It's not a good look. So the, wait, the theater wasn't full for Madame Webb? I know. I can't believe it either. You had a seat open next to Yeah. Who would have thought a movie where yeah. they ADR'd the, the villain the entire time so poorly uh, didn't have uh, a full house? <laughs> hey, uh, I'm yeah. not judging. I'm not judging. I feel like this is, uh, um, like a symbol of pop culture right now, the Dune popcorn yes. bucket. Yes. I also have obviously the Taylor Swift Eras Tour popcorn right. bucket. So. Doesn't look anything like this, one assumes. No, it doesn't. Thank okay. God. Just for safety's Thank sake, I, I meant to feel like we should mention that. Yes, that's true. Chris seems concerned about this whole start of this <laughs> episode. I, I'm just amazed we can talk this much about popcorn receptacles. Chris is just uh, pretending like I, this isn't happening. I just want people to know that if you haven't seen one, it looks like you can't get your hand out of it, that the worm eats your hand. How does that work, Dennis? Well, uh, there's yeah. these little little prong oh, they're things not here. That, they're not no, that they're not tough. like rigid, hard plastic. It's more like a rubber. <laughs> But um, it is certainly odd because if you ball up your fist and it gets stuck, it's like a Pringles can. It's not smart. Um, mm. but, uh, but all the questions are in here and my co-hosts don't know the questions. I have the questions in here. So I'm going to pull them at random and then we're going to, I'm going to go ahead and ask the team. So, so Dennis, can I just yes. ask, are we using this because you're going to somehow expense the cost of this popcorn bucket because you're going <laughs> to say you had to buy it in order for the podcast? First off, that's incredibly rude. Second, did you get the invoice? I sent the invoice and the email. Yeah. Master plan. Hey, you know, you got to do what you got to do. You know, it's yeah. a tough market out there. All right, so here we go. Shall I start? Yep. Sure. Oh, my God. Here we go. First one. I don't offer oh, the angle. Oh, I don't want to look at it, though. Come on. That's so All right, gross. here we go. First question, first question. What I want to know is, do you think anyone in Dune 2 actually reaches their hand inside a sandworm? No, I Have think... Have you seen Dune? I think they're massive. The That's first problem. Dune? Yeah. Yeah, they're huge, but they yeah. must be yeah. baby. They must be babies at some point. <laughs> they're just slowly feeding them until they grow. All right, so we got our first question. Here we go. Ready. All right, this one, I'm sure this will be a very positive answer from Chris Moore. Uh, it's from my sister, actually, Kim. Thank you, Kim, for listening. Uh, 
What advice would you give a high school student that thinks they are interested in the industry? Go ahead, Katie. You look very excited. <laughs> um, um, so I have taught a lot of uh, college students who have been interested in the industry, um, but I taught like the kind of general ed, like elective film classes at times at UCLA. Um, so maybe there are majors in other, you know, parts of the school and they were kind of interested, but kind of scared to get into the film industry. And something that I always liked to tell them was that entertainment is a massive industry. Like if people are, um, first of all, if people are like skeptical of you saying you want to work in the film industry, um, you can remind them that it's one of our biggest exports. It's a massive industry. But also if you're thinking of your career in the industry as like writer, director, actor, that's cool. You know, get into that, study, work on it. But also there are so many other careers. If you're just interested in film, you could work in so many different aspects like marketing, distribution, uh, representation, like being an agent. You can work at a festival. You can work in preservation. Um, I could go on and on. You could end up working on a podcast. You could work on a best, podcast. You could be a professor of film. You could. Like you I know? did. Chris, what, what, what words of wisdom do you want to pass along? Well, it, it has changed over the years. I was on a show years ago called Project Greenlight, and I would get invited to places to talk about this exact question. And the at that time, which I believe is like 2001, 2002 in there, I was very positive. I felt as though everyone and that the industry would actually benefit from people coming from all walks of life and they should think of Hollywood as an open industry that they could come work in and that kind of stuff. Uh, I think now I'm a little more jaded. Uh, I think that it's uh, there's a little bit of hazing that goes on. I think that we take advantage, me being the we of somebody who's been in the industry a long time, of how many people want to get in the business. So we pay less, we make the hours suck, some people get treated poorly. All of that is because literally there's a plane landing right now at LAX with five people getting off it who want to work in Hollywood. So I try to be really honest with people about really think about it and actually take one step back and say, what are you good at? Actually figure out what action you're good at. Do you like sales? Are you good at teaching? Are you, do you like building stuff? Do you like using your hands? Start there. Right. And then mm -hmm. come down to, well, if I like sales, what's better? I could sell houses. I could sell, you know, uh, cars. I could sell software. Uh, sell movies. So maybe, or I could sell movies. Right. Yeah. Now, that's what I did. I yes. came out and I was like, look, I like selling. I've been selling shit my whole, you know, life. Why not sell movies? I like movies. They're cool. They, they sell for a lot of money, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think that you really got to decide it's where you want to be. I don't think it's that, that special anymore. It's a job and it's a lot of fun. And if you get to the place of you're actually creating new projects and doing stuff, which I've had that experience, you know, being right or making something that's a hit or being able to, you know, have my friends say this one time at band camp and, you know, they're proud of me for having worked on that movie uh, is awesome. But it is super hard. Like, I don't think I would have survived if, if I was rolling out today. And I, I just, so I would say, take it seriously. It's not as different as working on Wall Street. It, it's not as hard as becoming a doctor, nor should it be. <laughs> yeah, you know? uh, valid point. It's, it's definitely, Katie's totally right. There are all kinds of ways to be in the business where you can have a lifestyle and you can figure out how you want to live and you do meet some interesting people and it's definitely in the arts. It's definitely more creative than whatever. And, but there's a lot of things now, finance, accounting, legal, you know, things where you could just say, I want to be a lawyer, but why not be a Hollywood lawyer instead of a regular mm -hmm. lawyer, right? Like those, those kind of things that I would tell anyone to think about. If you're on the creative side, meaning 
you're literally listening to this podcast while you're gearing up to make your fifth film with your buddies, right? And you want to go that way, I would say keep making stuff, put it on the internet, send it to people in Hollywood. And if you just can't stop yourself, you know, again, I'm most known for being working with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. And when they tell stories about driving themselves when they were like 14 and 15 from Boston down to New York to try to audition for stuff in New York, you know, that's a desire that is beyond the sort of normal, I just want to have a job, right? Mm -hmm. Like right. They, yeah. they, they, they wanted to be here and they, they deserve it. And they're actually really talented. You now there's a lot of people who probably did that or aren't quite as talented. But what I'd say is if you, if you have that level of passion for it, you know, J.J. Abrams, I think, wrote his first script when he was 18, right? The Like, if you're in that realm creatively, fucking go for it. Yeah, I, I also, just to kind of echo that point and what you are saying earlier, there's a woman on TikTok uh, who makes uh, TikToks about oh. the film industry named <laughs> Julia Yorks. And um, one of her recent videos said, you know, keep in mind that if you are working especially on a creative part of the industry like writing directing um but but even in any of the other jobs like if you want to be an entertainment lawyer or something um keep in mind that a lot of people want to work in the industry like you were saying chris and like it, this is a lot of people's dreams so you kind of have to you know we're all for work-life balance i'm not saying you have to like hustle and you know never sleep to get into the industry but um you know know that you have to go above and beyond and like really know your stuff because it's it is competitive it's like a lot of people's dreams and i would say the great word katie just used there is this word dreams right so i have a really good friend shout out to bruce blake who sells insurance uh and he's a he does very well for State Farm. He does a good job. But I think if you ask Bruce back when we were in high school, is your dream to sell insurance? I'm not sure that is. His dream was to have a great lifestyle and be able to provide for his family. And he's an awesome dad and a, and a great person. But what I would say is that the other thing that's sad about the industry, which is why I, I think it's important to say, is that because it's people's dream, the industry takes advantage of you. And you got to be ready to be in that kind of weird setup where it, it's, you know, it, it's the same thing, probably music, same thing with sports, probably the same. Like if you really want to work in major league baseball, they probably make you do some really shitty jobs before you become yeah. Theo Epstein mm -hmm. or, you know, Bryce Harper, right? Like, yeah. so mm -hmm. the point now, if you're Bryce Harper, when you're in high school, maybe you get to be a great player no matter what. Right. But, it's tough, and, and that's the hardest part I say to some people. I ran the training program at the agency where I worked, and people would come in, and sometimes I would hire people with a little bit different background than you sort of went to college and did whatever, partly because if you've dealt with humans and you've been in a situation where you're in a service job, you know, waiter, bartender, whatever, you, you understand clients and customers can be fucking douchebags right and you figured out in your life how how i'm going to deal with this douchebag and you've done the math on okay i need him and maybe there's a reason i got to serve him because i don't want to lose my job or whatever i had a uh and i tell this and i'll uh his name's steve levinson he's very successful partner with mark Wahlberg. he's got a big company and when Steve came in to interview for working with us, one of the jobs he had just done has been fixing and cleaning and waxing skis at one of the big ski resorts. And he'd been doing it out of a van. And I remember thinking to myself, if this dude can figure out how to get people at a big ski resort to give them their skis, and then he sits there and he waxes them in the back of his van, like... That dude's going to understand Hollywood. Now, that's a great story because <laughs> yeah. he turned out to be a big success. And certainly it wasn't about degree. And Steve's a good guy. And it's not, uh, you know, he was a great skier himself as well. But the point is that that's a different attitude than, uh, you know, and I went to Harvard. So I'll talk about it. But a lot of times I get Harvard grads call me up and they're so entitled about, hey, I went to Harvard. I got all A's. I graduated this way. I'm going to work in the mailroom making copies. And you're like, yes. 
And if you yeah. can't handle that shit, then you probably shouldn't come to Hollywood because they're not going to give you special treatment because you went to Harvard. In fact, some of the most successful people here never graduated from college. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know, don't yeah. don't think there's a ladder, right? And you got to right. be okay with that. Well, yeah. And just to go back to my original point, yes, it is a lot of people's dreams, but I don't want it to seem like because it's a lot of people's dreams it, that it you shouldn't try, you know? Like it's, there's a lot of different things to do. And I feel like there's a big kind of rhetoric, at least a lot of the students that came to me would would have this kind of mythos in their mind about Hollywood, like this is a pipe dream. But it's, yes, it's a lot of people's dreams, but it is also doable. You will probably have to start in the mailroom. So just be humble about like, how you're going to like work hard and and get into the the career that you want but um it's doable that's it is what doable. i would say yeah agreed we're here all right let's let's move on to the next question here back has to the it bucket. been a half an hour i know good job <laughs> i was like i think i have an answer but i think you guys nailed it um mine's more for after you get the job nailed oh it. my god here we go <laughs> All right. I just want the audience who's listening to know that Dennis's wrist is bleeding at this point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> trying to get the questions out of the sandworm's mouth. It's, so it's, it is awkward. I think as he's hell. milking it beyond expenses. Now he wants a workman's comp <laughs> settlement. Oh, I sprained yeah. my wrist trying if to. If you get never it. hear another wow. version of the podcast, it's because I had to go out. I had to shut it down because I couldn't afford to pay Dennis's workman's comp. <laughs> Uh, don't forget the invoice for the bucket. Anyway, moving on. Here we go. Uh, do you think the over-reliance on CGI is negatively impacting box office? Do practical effects and on-location shooting matters? And is it cost-effective versus creating it all on a computer? I, I, I think that the the best answer is you can't really answer that until you see the script, right? Right. I will say that there are certain scripts you know, I, I tell this story. I don't know if, if I, did I tell this in another part? If I did, I apologize. But about Spielberg and his answer for uh, why he waited to do Jurassic Park. Have I ever told that on the podcast I'm not before? entirely sure, anyway, but tell it again. It, it's a great story. He says, somebody asks him when he does it, it's a big hit, you know, and you think, wow, that's an obvious movie, right? Yeah. And the book had been written, you know, at least a decade before they made the movie. And Spielberg's answer was, I needed somebody to show me a dinosaur. So yeah. what I'd say yeah. is that movie without believable dinosaurs, mm -hmm. right? There's no amount of money that you wouldn't no. pay for the CGI to make those claymation. dinosaurs work, right? Yeah. But like an example I'd use, and just to keep it real, uh, I think it's also a Spielberg movie. Uh, it's called um, AI, I think, or whatever. But there's yeah. a movie where there's a chase scene with hovercrafts and I think Tom Cruise or Ewan McGregor, so maybe it's not Minority, minority not, Report. But it might be Minority Report, but there's a scene where they jump out of the hovercraft, hang on some other machine that's floating through the air with a whole like three-level city behind them, and you're like, dude, this is a chase scene. Like, what are you doing? Like, I like, feel like that's in every futuristic physics. movie. Well, with that, so that's why I'd say like, the big shot where you're like, well, we can make it huge and we can do whatever. Like, well, do you need it to be huge? Like, is it, is that, and I think that just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. On the flip side, you know, Jurassic Park without good, you know, dinosaurs sucks. So right, right. all of that is based on cost. The cost should be what it costs. And it is, it does go down every year, although it is art. I mean, if you can't do it well, you, you probably all have seen shitty CGI. Where you're just like, mm -hmm. holy shit, that looks bad. <laughs> like, I mean, my yes. son will sometimes Madam watch movies Webb. I, I <laughs> love from, yeah, exactly, <laughs> from the past, you know, like Blade or the first Blade Runner. He'd be like, uh -huh. dude, dad, what happened? Did they just run out of money? These <laughs> effects are so bad. Like, how could you ask me? I was like, Ike, it got made like in the late <laughs> 80s or early 90s or whatever. Like, what are you talking about? Like- like, yes, they couldn't do it the way they do it in, you know, end game. But <laughs> yeah. it's like that shouldn't affect the fact that you can still understand what they're doing. It's like, well, okay, but I really liked end game, you know, and you're like, okay, I don't know what to say there. But 
I, I do think there's value to it. I think it's great that you have it. I think that it's a tool, but it should be used as a tool, not it doesn't save any movie that sucks. It doesn't make any movie better, but it can tell the story better of things that don't exist in the real world. Great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's a great documentary called Jurassic Punk, by the way, uh, about how they came to make those dinosaurs because originally it was going to be stop motion. Very cool right. documentary. You should check it out. Next up into the into the vortex here. All right. Oh, that doesn't that didn't feel good. Damn it. Okay, here we go. All right. He went with his other hand this time, oh, so it's a this is, double have, hand. <laughs> this one's a good one, Chris. This one's from uh, Instagram. This is from Nas Perez. She says, uh, "Chris, uh, why don't you like the holiday?" <gasps> There's oh, no fucking way. You, There's no way somebody sent that in. It's Naz, no, the virtual avatar of Katie Marpy. No, well, uh, I actually had, I, I, I didn't cheat. I didn't talk to her about the Q&A, but I did talk to her on Instagram about the holiday uh, and how it's my personal mission to get you guys to like it. So thank you, Naz, <laughs> for asking this question and having my yes. back. You can't make somebody like something. There's just... And I don't dislike. I, can, I don't I hate it. Like, <laughs> I I find that Jack Black is not a romantic lead. Like for whatever reason, I don't buy that anyone, let alone a movie star, is falling in love with Jack Black. I That's, barely, what? I barely could buy it with Seth Rogen and Charlize in the long shot. But at least the title itself is acknowledging <laughs> yeah. this is a fucking long shot, right? Okay. Um. I also will admit there was a little bit of geographic, uh, you know, pride that the British dude was Jude Law, right? And the American was Jack Black. I'm like, come on, there's okay. Americans who okay. are attractive. You didn't have uh -huh. to pick that. Um, that? What I, what, <laughs> that's the, uh, that's what being so Jack mean to Jack Black. Right I love now. Jack Black. I think he's awesome. I'm they just not sure. They each other. Would you really cast Jack Black in a romantic comedy today? Yes, because people love the holiday. <laughs> you would just it do works. it based on that? What if, I mean, if it's the holiday too, maybe. <laughs> it clearly maybe. works. Uh, you have to understand the characters, Kate Winslet's character and Jack Black's character. Yes. Because their storyline is about like unrequited love. Listen yes. to me. So right. Jack Black is broken up with in the beginning yes. and Kate Winslet is going on this journey because she's heartbroken. Right. And okay. So their and we care about this their because love stories. <sighs> and, that, and that's why I think it's a lot of some of these things are designed for guys who they're they're romantic comedy. So you think they're for women, but you have women in them who can't be having trouble getting dates. Um, right. And you. You have yeah. guys that you can believe are wildly single. And is it, <laughs> is it like a wish fulfillment thing that that can happen? I mean, unfortunately, right. and again, I think Jack Black is hilarious. And I understand how some women love comedy and, and, and would want to be with somebody who's funny, right? I get that. But I think that and the just there's an overall sweetness to the holiday that is annoying to me. Like it, it, it just... I don't know. There's okay. something that, you know, while you were sleeping or my personal favorite, Notting Hill, doesn't have that overall saccharine sweet shit. The funny <laughs> stuff that happens, particularly the roommate right. in Notting Hill, is awesome. I don't, I didn't get any of that from the holiday. All right. All there right. you go, Nash. There it is. And you make Katie pay you all the money she promised you for writing <laughs> yeah. that question. Thank you, Naz, for asking this. I just think you should just give it another chance okay. because I don't understand the argument about Jack Black. That's, it's just not I am very nice. Very and you, prejudiced and I'm sorry. But what if it's, he's supposed to be like an every man. Like he's supposed to be a person that like men who are dragged to go see the movie with their and, wives and or admit, girlfriends probably are like, oh, when I he could got, be like that When guy. he got cast, cause that movie's so early in his career, that probably was the idea. He's just right. so fucking funny and so Nacho Libre. Or I love Jack Black in this movie called Bernie. I don't know if any of you guys oh, have yeah. ever seen Bernie. Mm -hmm. He is awesome. But that kind of, even, I don't know if you've ever seen The Polka King. Have you ever seen The Polka King? No. Mm -mm. 
It I is regret genius. having put my hand in here like 20 minutes ago for the next question. <laughs> I should tell you that. It's still in there. Uh, but what? here's what I'd like to say. If we ever do the podcast of us watching a movie together, I will watch The Holiday with you guys. Okay. And we can talk about it and you can tell us, Katie, why you think oh my God. it's this, so great. Okay. You, I, I would love that. I would do so much prep to uh, <laughs> make sure that every scene is understood fully. Chris will just have verbal diarrhea about how he's feeling about every single scene in there. Just well, from we the talked heart. about how maybe some movies should have commentary of people who didn't work on the movie. Like it's <laughs> yeah. just two people talking about the movie are like, yeah, this scene's horrible or, <laughs> you know, whatever. That's and not it's how like, it works. No, that isn't how it works. Maybe we should have Nas on to do a holiday episode exclusively about the holiday. We can all right, Chris, all, we got to keep this or, thing going to the or, to or, next or I can reach out to Jack Black and see if Jack wants to come out and defend himself against <laughs> oh. me. Uh, I don't know, Jack. I'll defend him. I'll defend him. There you <laughs> yeah, go. It doesn't need to show up. Let's ask the next question. All right, next Dennis. question. Get your Here hand out of there. Oh, thank God. It's so sweaty. Oh, my God. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. I wish I hadn't said that out loud. <clears throat> Here we go. All right, here we go. We got a question here. Uh, what kind of film would you like to produce in the future? This is one of Katie's friends. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would love to do a horror rom-com. That's what I've always thought would be really fun to make. I would love to make something So like I that. married an axe murderer? Like, what do you mean? Uh, like burying, burying the X, which I know that people, it, that one's not as great, but the whole concept of doing a rom-com that has like a horror element to it, like warm bodies I've mentioned before, something like that would be really fun for me. I would love to do that. What about you guys? Um, definitely a romantic comedy. I think that's clear. Uh, just a straight romantic comedy or is there like a, some other is it blending? Is there, is there a thriller aspect, anything or just straight rom-com? I like the, well, I like a, a rom-com with like, I think we talked about this on the rom-com episode, but with something else going on. I know this isn't quite a romantic comedy, but like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is one of my favorites. Very cool. There's, there's just, there's a lot going on in the narrative there. And Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yeah, I could do a Mr. and Mrs. All Smith. Right, a little action in there. Okay. Christopher, yeah. you know, it, it's hard because I, it's not like genre. I I miss, you know, buddy movies, like whether it's Buddy Cops or, you know, Wedding Crashers is a movie I love where it's two buddies that get along. It could be Girl Buddies. I thought, you know, Thelma and Louise is one of my favorite movies. Like I, I would love to try to encourage people to have real relationships and do movies about, you know, friendship and warmth and supporting each other mm -hmm. i feel like the world is so angry right now that'd be kind of fun i personally and i'm gonna try to do this so you heard it here first and this even for you guys who work with Ooh, me here we go I, I think we should try to find another grumpier old men type thing i thought grumpy grumpy old men was one of the funniest and sweetest movies right. i've ever seen wasn't that originally the name of this podcast nailed it um <laughs> all right we'll move on to the next question beautiful there we go. Next question. Here we are. Ah. Oh, that thing's annoying. Um, here we go. Ooh, what is one of your guilty pleasure movies? Hmm. I don't really believe in the guilty <gasps> pleasure movies. Oh, this but is let exciting. Me Get into this. my letterbox. Do you believe in guilty pleasure, period? No. Right. So guilty pleasure, you think the person asking the question is implying I'm embarrassed to say I like it, but I like it? I feel no guilt for liking right. anything that I like. <laughs> I love things. But I'm sure there's there's an answer to this right. that I could. Well, I'll give you an answer that recently happened, which I it was really funny in my home. But uh, I love a bunch of Adam Sandler's movies, and a lot of people think Adam Sandler. And again, in all honesty, he's somebody I'm not quite sure I buy as a romantic, you know, lead either. Right. So we should do a movie where Adam Sandler and Jack Black switch places and end up with somebody, you know, that, that isn't Kate Winslet and Cameron Diaz. But what I would say is that Sandler, that a lot of people look at that whole genre, and I don't know Adam at all, is that, you know, it's, it's not good. It's not art. It's not whatever. There are some heartfelt moments in his movies, and there is some fucking laugh-out-loud funny shit. Recently... My son turned on the grown-ups, and my wife and I were there just sitting with them, and we were laughing our ass off at some of the shit in there. And the 
And so I would say, I don't walk around at film schools telling people, you know, I kind of like like Wedding Singer, I think is one of the better romantic comedies out there. I think he and Drew Barrymore are really funny together. I, I also like 51st Dates. Um, and he's a good actor. I like Uncut Gems. I like yeah. the Punch Drunk Love. So like I would say as much as people are, you know, poo-poo that as and every now and then it sucks. I'm not a little Nicky fan, but the <laughs> yeah. but but the point is that my if like I agree with Katie, I'm not guilty about any of this, right? But people don't walk around talking about how much they love Adam Sandler movies, right? Except for people who work at Netflix because they they made a big deal with them. But right. I, I think, and I love that he went and remade some of those other movies, like The Longest Yard and and some of the other stuff, because I, I just love his attitude, his team of people, what they go do. They make me laugh. They they make fun of the world we live in. He has one, I think it's called Big Daddy, where he has to take you know yep. this kid take on that I think is yeah. really funny. So like, I'm in, you know a lot of people talk about Billy Madison, or they'll talk about you know the the other one, Happy Gilmore and stuff, and I think his company's called like, like Happy Madison. Ha Happy Madison, right? Yep. Is, but I just think that would be the thing that I'd have to know you a little bit better before I'd say, dude, I like Adam Sandler's movies. And yeah, see, that for me, it's like I love horror movies. So when somebody's like, I'm like, when I'm not feeling good, I watch The Princess Bride. I don't tell anybody that, but I told you, and now it's on the podcast. So <laughs> there it's you out go. There. It's out there. I feel like the only potential answer I would have, even though I truly don't feel any guilt for this and everyone knows it, <laughs> would be uh, like musicals. Like I, it just, it doesn't even matter the quality. Like if they're singing. Like cats? I probably would like that. I haven't seen it, but if they sing, if they sing their feelings, I like it. <laughs> Doesn't matter. The most embarrassing moment I had as a father, which there have been plenty, is uh, <laughs> is that I love those Disney animation movies from the 90s, right? Like mm -hmm. I can almost sing all of the Beauty and the Beast song. Ugh. And I- Classic. And, but I don't find that guilty like anybody gets. It's, it's weird to see an yeah. old guy <laughs> stand there talking about you know, how much he loves Beauty and the Beast. And I like the animated ones, to be honest, better than they've made these live action versions of them. But, you know, mm -hmm. but I'm not sure that's a guilty pleasure. It's more it's just that's something people don't expect. Yeah. Do you remember at the yeah. beginning of Beauty and the Beast when they just made fun of her because she reads? That's great. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we're going to move on. That just seems really... That's not appropriate. Here we go. I've back into the bucket. I've never identified back in the bucket the here. <laughs> Next Disney up. princess more than that. We got... Ooh. I bet. <laughs> we got another IG question from Jen Stewart Yoga. Says, what movie do you feel is way overhyped? Way overhyped. Well, you know what Ooh. I'm going to say. <laughs> Which one, Chris? Don't you dare. Choose a different movie. <laughs> Uh, okay, I'll, I, I, I'll I let you guys off. go first. Okay, I'll go first. Over I'll tell you right heights. now, this is going to be, I'm going to start saying, Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh. Bored the shit out of me. Bored the shit out of me. I could not agree more, but I don't even think that's been overhyped. It's just, it, it, it is what it is, but it, it's like, it, over time, that will not get hyped. I think overhyped right. is like, the thing that they've told you the last 20 years is the best movie and you should go see it. Well, I mean, I, I, I've mentioned before but in I'm previous with you episode, on that. Mulholland Drive, I'm not a huge fan of. But Citizen Killers Kane of is the my answer. Citizen Kane, yeah. yeah. Not <laughs> the best movie ever made. Yeah. Huh? Rosebud. I mean, honestly, that is, that's my answer. Okay. So overhyped, everyone telling me it's the best movie ever made. And yeah. then I've watched it like seven times because I've, yeah. you know, See, that's taken the thing. one million it's, classes. It's, it, it, you know, I trying to take into account of like when these things were made or whatever, you know, but... This one, Killers of the Flower Moon, everybody told me I had to go see it and sit through the three and a half hours. And literally, I was just like, holy hell. I just want you to know, whichever friends told you that, they're not really your friend. <laughs> they're, they're at home laughing. They're like, man, we wasted three and a half hours of Dennis's time. I mean, how dare they tell me to go see <laughs> Killers of the Flower Moon and I didn't turn around and go, you should see Saltburn. I should have got him back. <laughs> yeah. I should have got him back. I did like Saltburn, but... There's a reason why. I think we've all talked about why you don't recommend it. Here we go. Moving on. <clears throat> all right. Let's see. Let's, this, epi this episode's about to be the Citizen Kane of podcast episodes. It's so long. All right. Here we go. <laughs> what? What film 
Uh, what film do you think was brilliant but didn't hit the mark with audiences and why? Ooh, this one might have to think on this one for a bit. Mm. That's a good question. That should be a category on yeah. on like these menus on the streamers of like right? underrated movies according to our staff. Of course, they yeah. have to say the staff is an algorithm, but <laughs> they can say underrated movies according to our uh you know our algorithm but right well there's a cu couple that i get yelled at all the time for recommending so i'll kick it off yeah let's do it uh, but i think are really great one is called strictly ballroom it's older mm -hmm. it is real feel good it is ballroom dancing i thought that is a movie nobody talks about nobody remembers and if you watch it it'll you'll feel good uh after you watched it um and uh the the other one that I sort of talk about that I think because they've made 25 of them and I'd be curious Dennis your you know because this is in the horror genre I was so scared and so into the mythology of the very first hellraiser oh yeah I thought the very first hellraiser and pinhead and how that little thing worked, the box or whatever it is. The puzzle box, Was yeah. really well done. And nobody ever talks about it as, you know, one of the, the sort of quintessential horror movies that, that came out. And I, I, I think that first, I'm not recommending any of the rest of them, although I think the second one's pretty good too. The, the, but that first Hellraiser really got me. Yeah, it was like very, it's a body horror, but it was like very satanic and the whole thing was very, very interesting. Um, and one of the final lines was improv. The Jesus wept line was uh, an improv really? by the actor. Yeah, how cool is that? Um, That's cool. <clears throat> very good, but yes, very gory movie. Um, Katie, do you have do you have one in, in mind? I can't really think of one that I could throw one out. Uh, yeah, please do. So this is this is again another horror movie, but it's a horror comedy. Uh, it's like the whole, like if a tree fell in the woods and nobody heard it, to, you know, didn't make a sound, uh, freaky with Vince Vaughn and Catherine Newman, uh, Newton. Um, it came out during the pandemic. So like it came in theaters so no, no box office, like nothing, nobody was going out. Everybody was still panicked. And then by the time it got to like VOD or, or video on demand, people had sort of started to go out and we're like, I don't want to just stay home and watch stuff. Like I want to go out. So it like kind of hit that weird wave timing. So the idea of it is essentially like freaky Friday. Hence the freaky is the name where, uh, this like, you know, sorority girl and this, uh, serial killer swap bodies overnight. And she literally has 24 hours to like switch back or she's stuck forever inside this serial killer's body and Vince Vaughn plays a serial killer. It's, it's very funny. It's very it entertaining. Fun. It's a cool take on that. Cause how many times, you know, I grew up watching like vice versa, which was the freaky Friday for boys where uh -huh. like Fred Savage and his dad, judge Reinhold, like changed, like it's been done so many times. So I thought that was a really cool way to go about it, but it came out in the pandemic. So like nobody saw it. And I still think that people don't talk about it. Um, one that just came to my mind because we've talked about it a few times and it was like surprising that we all really like it was Love and Monsters. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just watched that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, I, I just personally really liked that movie. I was like, that was, that was like really good. That's a yeah. tight script, you know? Yeah. It really and then we was, all right? just like, yeah. We not all a just single kind of scene like, that was unnecessary. Not a, It was very, yeah. very good in that way. And then we all kind of independently brought it up at Sundance. Like, yeah. I love that movie. Yeah. Oh my God, you too. But I think part of the reason we brought it up was it is under hype. So you feel yeah. an obligation. You feel like, I don't need to tell anybody that Martin Scorsese, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Lily Gladstone did a movie called Killers of the Flower Moon. If you don't right, know that, right. you've never watched a movie, right? <laughs> but when yeah. somebody says, you know, I saw this movie. It was the kid from Maze Runner and whatever you guys know his name. Yeah, and yeah. Dylan O'Brien. Dylan O'Brien. It was awesome, right? But yeah. you think that because not everybody's saying that, right? Yeah. And I, I think that's awesome because I also say it's intergenerational. I saw it the first time because my 19-year-old son was home for the holidays. He's like, let's watch Love and Monsters again. I'm like, again? You've seen this movie before? And yeah. he's like, I love this movie. We watch it all the time. I was like, really? It's a good like, one. I, I've never heard of it. And he put it on. Yeah. And I, I didn't leave. 
I sat there and watched yeah. the whole movie. That's really a good one. Good. Unlike the holiday where I walked out after 15 minutes. Stop it. <laughs> he was like, Jack Black introduced his character and Chris was like, I'm out. Um, no. Okay, here I go. So rude. Oh, I just right. want to say I love Jack Black. I love Tenacious D. <laughs> I love everything. I just don't know that he's the perfect guy to cast in a romantic comedy. All right. All right, I got another one here. We here we go. It. All right, here we go. Ooh, this is a big one. Big one. All right. Do you think the rise in popularity of the tomato score on Rotten Tomatoes has really impacted the overall business in Hollywood? Mm. Or is it just a niche group that really pay attention to the tomato score enough to deter them from going to see a film? Have you guys ever seen the tomato score and been like, eh? For, I, for, uh-huh. for me personally, I, I, the, the audience one, I do. The, the critics thing, I honestly, I couldn't... How many movies I've seen that I've enjoyed, but the critics on Rotten Tomatoes have given given it a bad score, is yeah massive. That it is really interesting to compare those two. Um, but let me let me tell a story from Ooh, this let's get into previous it. weekend. Um, at, in theaters right now is uh, Madam Web, The Beekeeper, uh, Anyone But You. Okay, two good ones and one Hold stinker. On. Keep on. Oh, the Go Bob on. Marley movie. All right, that was good. So I can't remember exactly. I guess we could pull them up. But um, I do remember Madam Web was at like a 17% on Rotten Ooh, seems Tomatoes. Seems high. Seems high. Go on. And <laughs> the beekeeper was at 70, 70. So my friend and I were going to see a movie, trying to choose which movie we wanted to see. None of them were like super exciting. I was pushing for anyone but you again, but right. that that didn't work out. Um, but anyone but you is that like what, like a fifty? Fifty three for fifty three for critics, eighty seven percent for your audience. Yeah, see, 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 that's that's a really good example of that because I agree with the eighty seven. I don't agree with the fifty three. But we went to see Beekeeper because we were like, funny that out of all of these movies in the theaters right now. Beekeeper has the highest tomato score. <laughs> oh my god! I actually no, I I was I we were actively confused. Speaking aloud, um, I'm sorry for the other people in the theater, but actively confused about what was happening in the story at times. And then I, while sitting in the theater, looked up the tomatoes and like the critics. Yes, and they were like, um, for a Jason Statham movie, this was pretty entertaining. And like, I was like, no, 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 you can't put it in the tomato thing, like based on just your own kind of criteria. It has to be like all across all movies because for a movie released during the winter solstice, you're like, (laughs) yeah, so that's where I feel like it's very misleading. I don't feel like I've ever been. I didn't hate it. Yeah. It, I was well. It's got a ninety-two percent audience score for the Beekeeper. The Beekeeper. Ninety-two percent for audience, seventy-one for critics. Katie, I don't know. I, I loved it. The way yep, I same here. I loved great. it too. I loved I it too. I spent nineteen dollars <laughs> to watch it at home that weekend. Okay, um, so so when we when we start doing the like we're gonna watch the movies and do the commentary or whatever. Yeah. Episode one is the holiday. Episode two is Love and Monsters. Yes. Episode three will be the beekeeper. Well, episode four we Madam Web. Do I don't know if we should do ones yes. that we all agree on. Right? Like if we all like Love and Monsters, well we're just gonna sit there. But it's there and, underrated. Yeah. You know, but so we, we could like we've hype told it up. everybody it's good. I oh, think it'll if be If we're fun. doing okay, this, okay. I got a couple that I like that I know you you're both gonna just be like, what the f- is this thing? Which I'm excited to. I to think do. it'll be fun. You guys yeah. are watch. You're lis- listening to a OMH Pod staff meeting. Staff right meeting. Now <laughs> yeah. about this is exactly what just turned into. Decide. Yeah. I just the Ringer has this thing called Rewatchable. I think where they Rewatchables. Yeah. And yeah. recently they did a American Pie one, and uh, somebody sent it to me because Bill Simmons mentioned it, and they. I thought we should do that. We should watch a movie and talk shit about it and see what happens, but. Uh, so or I think talk we should talk positively about it. Yes, uh, we'll see. Uh, like the holiday. Yes, <laughs> and, and I'll be convinced. Yeah, and then one day closer to Christmas of next year of this year, we'll watch Love Actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> what's believable? What's not believable in stories? I don't know. 
But I, I would say the rating the ratings are not doing justice to what it is. Even though I I'm not against what they rated the beekeeper, it's not a healthy way to determine what you want to go see. I don't know. There's got to be somebody yeah, to figure out a way to do it better. Follow your heart. Follow your heart and Katie's letterbox account. Here we go. Yes. Yeah. All right, here we are. Letterbox is a good way. We have no yeah. financial relationship. We're not trying to hype anything. We just, those Whoa. people's list, those people take it seriously. This is a Ooh. good one. This one's for Katie. Ah. <clears throat> Uh-oh. If you could only watch one movie for the rest of your life, which one of Chris's movies would it be and why? Woo! Why is that only for me? Uh, It was submitted by Dennis Denoboy. Oh, okay. Hold on. Let's pull up Chris's IMDb. What has what has Chris produced? I'm just kidding. (laughs) What are his movies? One movie. You only get one movie. Mm. I know it's tight. You only get one choice here, but you have to watch it for the rest of your life. Sure, I'll answer it. And this is the only movie. That I That's can it. watch the rest of For the of rest my of life. your life. You have to read books and all the other stuff. Only but watch this is it. a movie. Yep. Can it, I watch a TV show? It could be it, yeah, can you I can watch a TV show, but it's one okay. one of his one of his produced projects for the rest of your life. If I choose a TV show, can I watch movies on the side? No. Damn it. <laughs> All right, here we what go. What is it? Um, I would like to choose Project Greenlight. You don't oh. like that? No, she's going to watch it for the rest of her life. I'm watching. Only that's one all thing. I can watch for the rest of my life. I'm giving up movies. I choose Project Greenlight. Um, wow, because... that's bold. Why? I don't know. I think reality shows are tough to watch over and over and over again. But I think it teaches you a lot about the industry. I... I feel like I've told this before on the podcast, but when I found out that Project Greenlight existed and I was a young person, I was like, you are telling me that there is a television show where I get to watch people make a movie. That's like the best thing I've ever heard. So it's I watched them all yeah. and I thought that was actually great. Yeah, that was the pitch, I think, when we were first trying to do it. <laughs> so um, it actually went that, the other and way. Then I can, study how to make movies and it'll help my career and i'm just being really strategic about this so the weird part about this question is if it means no one else is making any movies because you can only watch one the rest of your life why would you have a career in a business where you can't make any no uh, they can make it's just me i don't get to watch any more movies no more finished movies for you the the original reaction to the pitch, Katie, which is why I wish, as much as I like working with you, I wish you were a senior executive at a network Ooh, because okay. that level of passion is great. The answer we got was, you know, they have commentary on DVDs now. You know that <laughs> DVDs, that is not the same. You, you know that DVD, you, you know that HBO does behind the scenes on movies. Well, and that's I was actually like, a good point. I loved the behind the scenes. Yeah, they they were the they did really good ones. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and then and when I found out Project Greenlight was a whole show of behind the scenes, and that was and that like, was the like, well, you get more of that, and yeah, you should look at yeah. that. And I don't know, Ben yeah. Affleck is a great salesman. That's right. Um, I can I mention some others? <laughs> sure. To, now that for, now that you're on a roll, I mean, okay, thanks. Uh, Goodwill Hunting obviously was like the first thing that popped into my mind. Yes. Yes. And then this I don't choose because I think this would mess with my brain if I chose this for to watch for the rest of my life. But um, I loved Joyride oh. <laughs> when I was a teenager. Yeah, if you were just watching that over I, and over. I feel like that would, yeah. that would be I feel like Rusty Nails is like health. every other driver out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, I recently talked to my friends about it too. And I was like, do you guys remember Joyride? And, and they were like, oh, yeah, of course. Classic. So... See, my, mine's Adjustment Bureau, but now I wonder if I watch it on loop, mm. if I would just lose the idea of what is reality and I would slowly spiral into in- insanity. I have a friend who always <laughs> texts me random times. He's like, I saw another guy in a hat go through a door. And all I can think about, <laughs> yeah. all I can think about is where is that dude? Yeah. Like, where did that door go? <laughs> yeah. I looked at fedoras all wrong. You know, this why exactly. I never, listen, I never, I never watched Jason Mraz music videos for that reason. I don't know. Is he, is he playing in the future? I can't tell. 
All right, here we go. Let's move into the bucket here. <laughs> well, Katie, thank you for the nice things on any of those. Okay, here As we go. As you know, producer is only part of the team. Those things were all created by very talented Ooh. people. Okay. What film would you like to have produced? I think you gave a, a, a question of a missed opportunity or answer of a missed opportunity, Chris, once before. I think it was Born. Your wife was pregnant. Well, well, Born, the story was... I didn't do it because my wife was pregnant and I wanted right. to be around. The, I mean, the quick answer to this, and I think I may have said this before, but Wedding Crashers is literally like one of my favorite movies and so up my alley and so like, I'm just mad I never got to work on that. All right. Katie, do you have one offhand? Other than you my know, old I... ass so that you could have probably <laughs> got ahead of some of those script issues. That is a really good point. <laughs> I didn't think about it that way. <laughs> um, the first thing that comes to my mind is past lives. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Are you surprised? <laughs> no. Why Why would or you Barbie? want... Barbie? Oh, oh, well, see, Barbie seemed like it would be fun to be, have worked on. So I, I could see that. Yeah, exactly. That just I like fun. that both of you chose like things you would like to work on because they would seem like a fun experience. And the one that I could immediately think of was because I wanted to fix it. So that I think that just tells me... It's a lot about I know, me. that is a really good point, What's though. yours, Dennis? Mine is Don't Worry, Darling. I don't know if you oh, guys saw it. Like, it's such a good idea, but it was, and it was so unique, and I love, yeah. like, the Palm Springsy vibe of it, but it was it had so many problems, and I just, I wish I could have, like, helped out yes. to make it the story I think it could have been. A, a pacing issue. Yes, um, yes. And then Oh, no, maybe a, maybe a casting issue? <clears throat> yeah. going to say it. What? Wait, oh, is, there's is, a casting issue in that one. I'm not there's a main lead person who about, shouldn't be in that movie next to Florence. Are you trying to say something negative about Harry Styles in front of me? Um, oh. He, uh, honestly, oh. it was not great. He was like watching uh, Wallpaper Dry, that dude, or whatever the hell it's saying is. I'm speechless. Terrible. Terrible. And this will be my last episode of One More Hollywood Podcast. It's been great. <laughs> I will be honest with you. He was terrible. Um, moving on. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All I can say is Dennis and I are going to get attacked by Harry Styles fans and Jack Black fans. I can't First, imagine even I mean, his fans were like, nailed it. You know what I mean? I can't even think straight right now. My brain is just. Well, should we move on to the next question? I guess yes. so. Okay. Yes, we should. Right. Here we go. Next question. Let's get it here. Okay. What film would you like to remake and why? It's another one. Ryan and Eric. That's a great question. Remake. Oh. Oh, wow. Okay. You uh, got one. Go for it. <laughs> the Philadelphia Story with Katherine Hepburn, Cary Grant, Jimmy Stewart, oh. which we talked about. Um, I feel like that has probably been tried somewhere somehow. It's just such a fun romantic comedy, but there are, uh, first of all, hot take, if uh, we could change the ending so she ends up with Jimmy Stewart. Oh, that I would thought be you were okay best. with it. Okay. I, well, Cary Grant, like, I, I feel like I've heard other people talk about this, literally pushes her over in the beginning of the movie. So it's like a little, you're yeah. just like, wait, why do you want to be with him? And then at the end... She does end up with him, and you're like, oh, no, but Jimmy Stewart was so cute the whole time. Okay, all So right. let's remake that one and change the ending. Okay, great. What about you, Chris? You got one? It is remaking the right term for changing the ending? Oh. I don't know. I is see. there a different? I like that Chris didn't answer the question. He just went after your answer. Well, I have, one, yeah. that I, I have one that I always answer. You know, some of these questions I've been asked before, having been out there, and I always say a movie called which weirdly has Jimmy Stewart in it also. Uh, oh. It's called The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Oh, and yeah. I love that movie, and I think it would be appropriate, and there's a, a great scripted version of it out there and, you know, of a modern-day version, and I, I just think it it's a really good movie, and, and it, it I've never been able to get the rights to it, and, and it hasn't ever been done. But There is a script out there that's yep. a modern yeah, I've read it. It's I actually really like it. You know, it just it it's it's a little. It just doesn't fit in the menu today. You don't know what you'd say about it, but it's right. got a lot of smart ideas. But I do wonder in that remake concept of, you know, are you modernizing something 
because it was a great setup and it would be even greater in modern times, like Philadelphia's story, I think actually is that way. And I think part of what you're saying is you represent a different generation of women. And so if you were to try to make that movie now, I think it would definitely be Jimmy Stewart. Like, I don't yeah. think you'd, I don't yeah. think anyone in the process would be like, except the person who made the first movie would be like, it's gotta be Cary Grant. Right. Um, yeah. But I think that that's the, that's the issue on remakes is you got people who love it the way it is because it represents a certain time, right? I mean, James Bond, Sean Connery in the first few James Bond is just a misogynist of unbelievable. Like in one see in one movie, he almost looks like he rapes a woman in a barn or something. I can't remember who it is. You're like, what the hell is going on today? Obviously, Daniel Craig's not out there attacking women. He he falls in love. He would never do that. For real. Right. Yeah. And so I, I I think that's a fun part of this kind of a question is, yeah. you know, could you ever have that movie now? Could yeah. you ever do that now? Well, it's a weird one to bring up, I guess. But like they did do a remake of The Longest Yard. They, with Adam Sandler, oddly enough. Yeah, yeah. But the original Longest Yard in the very beginning, shot in Savannah, Georgia, shout out. Uh, but at the very beginning, Burt Reynolds like punches a woman in the face. Yeah. yeah. Like oh, yeah. punches her, like like assaults her like hardcore and then steals her car and drives through Forsyth Park and all this kind of crazy stuff. So like when they remade the movie, they were clearly like, yeah, we're not going to be assaulting the women yeah. on this one. So I understand the idea of modernizing it. You know who would make a great um, James Bond? Who? Don't Harry Styles. Styles. Get out of here. Get, <laughs> no. Oh, he would. Can you make? Can you imagine that? Oh, yes. His acting, tragic. <laughs> I was so the one I was gonna mention, or original, the one I used to always talk about was Running Man, but now Edgar Wright is actually remaking that movie. Yeah. Um, which I think is cool. So for me, I'll probably just say, and this is, you guys gave like classic films and, and this also says a lot about me, I guess, but mine would be Starship Troopers. Like, oh God, yes. That they movie, could do that, right? That's a great idea for a movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love the idea. That movie, I know it's a bit over the top and it's supposed to be like kind of corny and, and, and on purpose, but I've been watching the Halo series on Paramount Plus and all yeah. I can think about is like, holy hell, this yeah. could be so great. Um, so that's the one that I think that I would remake. Um, well, it's funny, you know, you know, I think we're wrapping up here. So I, I will just want to say that the funny thing about that comment in relation to the very first question, which is what would we say to a high school person is yep. working in the business at any one of these levels also changes your experience watching these movies. Like you, yeah. like we've, we, we've talked about, you know, things you'd like to fix. Like when I was a kid in Maryland, shout out to Talbot County, I wouldn't go in and be like, oh, I should have fixed that movie, right? Like now you're like, oh, I can see all the things they fucked up. Like the, and so you gotta be ready yeah. for that. It's sort of like meeting your th the people you're super fans of, right? Yeah. Like you, sometimes humans don't live up to what you expect. But, but I think that that's also a fun part is you realize that there's, it, it, there, there are a lot of different creative ways to tell a story, and if you're into telling stories, it is a fun business that way. It does ruin it a little bit because you know how many times I'll be watching something, and my wife and I will be like, "Boom, Shadow," which obviously I didn't <laughs> have that or think about that early. And I mean, let's be perfectly clear: if I was always like that, I could never have watched like 90% of the 80s movies I watched because mm -hmm. there was always something obviously happening that you're just like yeah you could see the entire crew in that door <laughs> i always do that on when there's dialogue on the back of someone's head right <laughs> i'm always like you know because you you don't notice it really until you know about it but it's a yeah. way a lot of editors a lot of people you know we you fix movies is you got to give mm. somebody a line but they didn't say it so you got to figure out how to cut to the back of their head yeah. and mm -hmm. have the line play as part of a conversation. So you're always like, if there's too many lines on the back of people's head, that means they fucked up making this the first time. But it's like, <laughs> yeah. the, you know, it, it's little it's things funny. like that, like the back of people's heads. Really? Okay. Um, but I think it's still worth it if you can suck it up through the people. And there's probably tough situations in all jobs, but it it's uniquely hard in, in this one. I right, think. and that's why, again, very hard to watch Madam Webb.
But for oh, any young God. people who might be listening to this podcast, you should keep listening because we try to talk about it from the point of view at some times of, do you want to yes. come here and work here? Do you want to yeah. be in it? Or, you know, what's it like when you're in here? So I'd, I'd just say if that question was interesting to you, there's yeah. probably other episodes that we've already done that you might want to listen to. Yeah, so mm -hmm. a lot more knowledge and a lot less Dune 2 Part 2. <laughs> Dune 2 Part 2 Part 2 uh, popcorn buckets. Um, all right, well, I mean, this has been pretty good, jumping on all these questions. This is great. Uh, I want to thank everyone for their questions, as well as the creators of this somewhat perverted Dune 2 uh, popcorn bucket. As always, check us out on socials, follow our podcast, and tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Bye.